This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, except they're far better for you. Just one bar has between 130 and 180 calories, 19 grams of protein, and between 3 and 7 grams of sugar. And you can capitalize on this by using our code BIGSHOTS, all one word, for your next Built Bar purchase to get 10% off. Built Bar. Join the team. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernishan, joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, the best co-host of the business, Devin Jackson. Devin, how you doing today, man? What's up, man? It feels good to be a nobody, so I, I, I love I love being that. Uh, but nah, seriously, I'm I'm doing good, man. Uh, just... You know, just having fun with life. You you know how it goes, man. But doing pretty good. You know, just finished up eating lunch. You did as well. I don't know why I had to drop that real quick, but <laughs> I feel like it was it was necessary for the point. But uh, you know, if you guys are listening out there, we're we're a bunch of nobodies here at Blue Chip Scouting. So bunch of idiots, some might say. Yeah, bunch but hey, what do I know? You know, we uh. I should dr- I should just let the people know this because Devin not only works for Blue Chip Scouting, he not only works for WTAJ News out in Pennsylvania, he also happens to work for this little tiny site. You might have heard of it. It's called Sports Illustrated. You might have heard of them. I don't know, but no, De- Devin Devin don't know shit about football or the draft apparently. Um, to the guy that said that, I just want to let you know that Mohawks went out of style. In 2003. But anyway, enough about that. Um, but yeah, man. I'm, Good it's, Charlotte looking ass motherfucker. <laughs> we're gonna go off the rails here. Um, we're not even three minutes into the podcast. I was expecting like 15 minutes in at some point. Nope. Nope. Right away. Right away. <laughs> Might as well address the elephant in the room. But anyway. You know, it's, it's good times over at, at, at Blue Chip Scouting, man. We, it's a good time to be – anytime's a good time over at Blue Chip Scouting, but right yeah. now especially. Um, yeah, you know what? Things are going pretty well for, for, for us right now. You can tell. There's just more enthusiasm that I can bring to the table. You know, went back and listened to some of the podcasts over the last month, and, you know, Mike kind of sounds a little bit monotonous. I don't know. There's a little bit more pep in my step today. Um Honestly, not a whole lot going on in the football world. We have no football to, to talk about for the first time and. In, in, in months, God, yeah, since what August, something like that. I feel like once we hit about May or June, we're gonna have to get very creative with how to do these episodes again. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, maybe we'll uh, grab those early 2022 player interviews or something. Yeah, absolutely. Try to, to snag down some play. Maybe revisit some 2021 guys. Talk about their experience so far at the NFL. They got time. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, but right now, Devin and I, we've, we've been doing our scouting. Um, so I did a couple of players, uh, we'll kind of go back and forth, talk about some dudes that, that we watched since the last time we convened, which was, uh, two or three days ago now. And, uh, you know, Devin, you want to get us kicked off? Who was the first guy that you watched? So I've been posting clips of him throughout the week, but uh I watched Jalen Mayfield, uh, the tackled out good out player. of Michigan. Yeah, he's a really good player. Uh fairly inexperienced, has only uh started I believe fifteen games in his career, only played in eighteen career games. So, you know, he doesn't have a large sample size, but 
when he plays, man, he's he's really good. Has really good footwork. Probably some of the best in this class in terms of always being in position and you know uh, being able to drive pl- players off the ball, defenders off the ball. Uh, in the run game, you know, he he pancakes dudes. You know, he gets under their pads, uh, gets his feet moving. Once he gets his feet moving, it, it's all over. I think he pancaked Julian Aquara a few times uh, in 2019. And uh, Nordame was probably his best film. And for most of the Michigan offensive linemen, that was probably their best film. They absolutely dominated Nord- Dame's front seven. Um, I, I recall last year, Cesar Ruiz probably had his best game against Nordame as well. But yeah, Jalen Melfield had a really good game against them. I really didn't have much of 2020 film. And uh, considering he only played two games, he played Minnesota and uh, Michigan State. But I, I don't have those games for, for 2020 in terms of all 22. But I seen I watched the uh, Minnesota-Michigan game live, and he was uh, throwing dudes in that game as well, you know, with his uh, one-arm inside hand torque. Uh, so he, he's someone that I think – uh, has the ability to play both tackle positions, um, he because he, he his traits are gonna translate well. Like I say, he has really good footwork. Uh, he has an ideal size he look for in a tackle. Uh, he he's super athletic, can get out on the edge, can can make blocks at the second level. And you know, if if tackle doesn't work out, he does have a future at guard, in my opinion. As well, well. everyone is a guard. So. Yeah, everyone's a guard. <laughs> Shout but, out to Dante Gallinelli. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if, if it, like I said, if it didn't work out at tackle for him, guard could be the next best thing for him. And I'm not just saying that to try and move him or anything like that. I'd rather have him at tackle. I think his athleticism length, uh, will bow well for him going against those speed, speedy, bendier pass rushers in, in the NFL. He does need some work on his anchor. He's definitely, definitely plays too high at times and, he allows defenders to to get into his body and, and walking back into the uh, quarterback and his functional strength needs to get better as well. But overall, I think he's a late first round, early second round player in, in a draft class is probably going to star for tackles. I think he's going to go higher than probably what his tape shows. But I wouldn't be mad if a team decided to pick him late first, uh, honestly. You know, a team that that's looking for a right tackle. So we'll see what happens. Um, or you know, they could move him to left tackle. But I really like his game. I think he's probably in that top six or seven tackle tackles in this class. Um, like obviously, you're gonna have Darisaw, Sewell, Slater, um, and, and maybe one or two more guys ahead of him there. But he's definitely in the mix for for that five, six, seven spot, in my opinion. Definitely. I'm taking a look at where I have him now. And like you said, top six or seven tackle. He's offensive tackle six for me. You know, late first, early second. I have him at 38 overall, which is, yeah, you know, probably going to end up this year with around 20 first round grades. So be about, you know, late, you know, somewhere in that top 40 or so picks. Um, and again, you mentioned him in that in that kind of Cosme Slater Darisa, uh I throw in Liam Eikenberg and, and Sewell, obviously. And that's really who I have in front of Mayfield. Don't really think you missed anything on his game. Kind of a power guy, raw as the day is long, uh only one year or one plus year of uh of starting experience, was the only returning offensive lineman for Michigan this year after they lost everyone. Thought he was going to kick over to play uh, left tackle. Ended up just uh, staying at right tackle. Uh, I guess better just to have some form of continuity. 
Uh, yeah, solid player. Uh, I think he opted out to, you know, initially, and then when the Big Ten uh, returned, he came back just to get that little bit of extra experience, which went a long way from the games I watched in 2020. He really did kind of, you know, he was, for the most part, the best offensive lineman in, in that conference this year, uh, you know, say yeah, for maybe I, Wyatt Davis or, or Josh Myers. But I really on the don't outside, think he definitely was. I don't think it was even close. Uh, really, in my opinion, it, it just the way that he improved in 2020, uh, just from the games that I watched, the two games he played, uh, it was phenomenal. He, he did a much better job, uh, you know, anchoring, did a much better job, just blowing dudes off the ball with consistency. You know, he was just more he played with more confidence. And I think the more he plays, the better he's going to get because he's only scratching the surface, you know, and I think he's only I like think, 21. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's super young, but. Something else I wanted to know as well. I, I did some research on. Sorry, that. it's only twenty. He he'll, he'll be twenty one after draft day. Oh wow, that's even yeah. better. Um, but something I noted in my research that I did on him, some background. I used to play basketball in high school. He used to be uh, a post player. So I think I don't know how it necessarily translate, but I know that post players work a lot on their footwork and you know playing in those kind of small confined spaces. So I think. Him having that basketball background kind of helped with his footwork as well uh, in terms of being able to stay in front of dudes, mirror uh, pass rushers, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that background is, is definitely help him. And, you know, he can basically box out defenders, you know, especially when he gets to the goal line. He, he knows how to, you know, fire off the ball. But, yeah, like I said, I, I really like him. Um, I would not be mad, you know, if a, I wouldn't I would be I wouldn't be surprised if a playoff team. Uh, picked him up and, you know, kind of just stuck, you know, pick, placed him wherever they need him at and then let him, uh, you know, become whatever you will be, you know, in the NFL, whether it be at tackle or guard. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. But I think a playoff team should seriously consider looking into getting him because uh, he can he doesn't have to necessarily start right away. Or he can start at another position and kind of gain experience there. And then eventually, when their veteran tackles, you know, move on, you know, uh, they can pick him up. For sure. I'm actually, with my first player, I'm actually going to stick with a teammate of um, Jalen Mayfield. I watched running back uh, Chris Evans uh, this week. And let me just break down a little bit of him. So he's actually uh, an older running back in the class, which right away is going to ding him a little bit. Uh, he's going to turn 24 in October, uh, so he's 23 now. Um, has been at Michigan since 2016 uh, and was suspended for the 2019 season due to academic issues. Was actually kicked uh, off the team and then came back this year. Has never been the lead back in that system, which is okay. I mean, we've seen it in the past with guys not being the lead back and still having you know solid college careers leading to solid pro careers. Look at Alvin Kamara when he was at Tennessee being behind Jalen Hurd. There's a, I mean, those two went in completely different directions at, um, after Tennessee because Kamara became one of the best running backs in the NFL. Jalen Hurd transferred to Baylor to become a wide receiver. Um, you know, who was the other one? Uh, Josh Jacobs, first running back taken in his class, was actually the backup to Damian Harris uh, and for a bit Najee Harris as well. Um, so not necessarily get, you know, getting the lion's share, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Less wear on the tires, uh, for, uh, lack of a better term. But yeah, um, 2019, he was supposed to be the starter, uh, 
after Karan Higdon left, he ended up getting suspended, which is really uh, rough. We weren't sure where that was going to leave him. He did work his way back. And this year, he was part of like a three or four headed running uh, attack with Michigan with him. Uh, Zach Charbonneau, who I believe, or Charbonnet, who has less, left the program. If I'm not mistaken, he's got a UCLA, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, and then their quarterback, uh, Joe, Joe Milton, right? I think, I think it was Joe Milton, uh, the, the quarterback from Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, he didn't really play too, too much, uh, this year. I'm just gonna take a look at the stats if I can remember correctly. Do, do, do. This is some fantastic radio. Um, there I go being a smart ass again. Chris Evans scores. So, uh, yeah, he had 16 attempts for 73 yards and a touchdown this year. So he didn't exactly get too much playing time. Um, I mean, no carries against Wisconsin, one against Rutgers. Uh, so I had to go back and kind of watch a bit of this year, a bit of 2018. And what I can say is he... For a guy of his size, he's 5'11", 215. He's got a decent amount of speed. Uh, speed. He's got some pretty decent vision, more of like a one-cut type running back where you just want him between the tackles, make one cut, and then just burst up field. Um, again, taking a look at the career, um, if my math is correct, like about 230 career touches or so. So again, not dealing with... Uh, actually, no, not even close. Hang on, Mike. About 300 career touches over four years. Um, yeah, dyslexia is a bitch. Uh, yeah, about 300 career touches over, over his four years. Um, so not a lot of production, but again, traits are there. I think he's someone that you're probably going to get in around like five, fifth, sixth round, maybe might even slip to UDFA just due to, you know, you know, uh, quote unquote off field concerns. Um, and truly I like, he never really broke in. But the, he's got the talent there. I actually have him uh, in around the same area as guys like Javian Hawkins, Jared Dokes from Cincinnati, Stevie Scott from Indiana. Kind of that tier of running back. So, again, you're talking mid to late day three. Um, solid upside, I think. Yeah, I got to take a look at him before the senior bowl. Uh, I came up with the same thing. You know, he's. I think he's going to be a, a really valuable receiving back out of the backfield as well. I think that's where he can kind of make uh, some playing time in, in terms of being a rotational running back the next level. Uh, he provides some, you know, like I said, some catching upside. And, you know, he could be a, a potential spot starter, you know, someone that is, isn't going to blow you away with stats but can, you know, break off little chunk runs here and there. But, you know, not being able to play over the last, what, two years really uh, since 2018, I think they'll hurt him a little bit in terms of his, you know, draft process. So I think he'll fall a little bit uh, in in terms of where he could go, could have gone, should should he have had, you know, any semblance of a consistent college career in terms of carries and whatnot. But yeah, I see six, seven round for him at this point, uh, especially with how deep this draft is. You know, he doesn't do anything overwhelming, overwhelmingly uh, great. So I think. That will kind of put him in that six, seven round area, maybe UDFA if, you know, things just don't work out for him or he doesn't test well as pro day. So we'll see what happens, but I think he helped himself a little bit with his performance in Mobile. So definitely a good player for sure. 
uh, I'll keep going in terms of players. Uh, another Big Ten player, uh, you know, we somehow are still tied to the Big Ten, even though, you know, we I don't think that's kinda, ever going to go away. I don't think so either. It's because it's we watch so much. So now we know the players and, you know, with, you know, wide receiver one, David Bell on the board next year. Uh, I, I just want to say, folks, listen, I, get I ready. don't get ready. We're going to be insufferable next year with David Bell. Listen, I we tried to tell you folks last year or two years ago now. It's he was gonna be good. And no one paid attention to Purdue. They said, Oh no, Rondell Moore, we don't care. We cared. So just wanted to throw that it out there. It mattered to us. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, moving to another receiver in the Big Ten. Uh Emir Smith Marset. Uh I had told you probably a month or two ago I'd probably be on be higher on him than most. And his film just matched up to what I what I saw from the viewings I had of Iowa last year and the year before. Uh, dude is explosive. You know, someone that can play all over the field, slot, outside receiver, uh, big in a returning game, had two 90-plus yard return touchdowns in 2019. Uh, some, I did a little background research on him as well. Uh, dude ran a 10.97 in the 110-meter hurdles. Uh, and for reference, the no, not ten, thirteen point nine seven. Excuse me. That that um, makes a lot more sense. I was gonna yeah, say, Jesus. I, I, yeah, that would have been way too wild. Thirteen point nine seven, <laughs> but the high school record was thirteen point three. So he wasn't that far off. He he's extremely athletic, uh, jumping ability, speed, acceleration, and what I like about him is how he accelerates into his cuts and breaks, and it helps set, sets up his double moves. Uh, he made a living on those double moves. And if he had a quarterback that was worth a damn at Iowa, he would have ridiculous stats. Like literally like probably 45 receptions. Are you besmirching the name of Nate Yes, I Stan? am. Yes, I am. <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't I know. I remember hearing from someone once that Nate Stanley was going to go ahead of Jonathan Taylor. Anyway, uh, we're not going down that path. But anyway, no, if he had, you don't, don't want to go down that path. No, you know, I'm good. <laughs> um, but yeah, if he had any semblance of like a consistent quarterback, uh, he would be more talked about in his class because his stats would be undeniable, and he would have the ability to showcase his athleticism and speed on a more kind of global level. Because like, unless you really are into the Big Ten and into Big Ten football in watching Iowa offense, you don't, I mean, you don't really like their old school mentality per se. But like I said, he, he showed that, you know, he, he kind of go over early in his career. He had a really bad drop problem. Uh, from what I saw on tape, he really didn't have problems with drop between 19 and 2020. Uh, only thing with him is he does have an off the field issue. Uh, he had a uh, DUI back in, I think, November. Um, During the season. It was like yeah. right after a game. Yeah, right after the game. And he got suspended for, I think, a game or two. Um, but they let him back on the team. But that is cause for concern. Like, obviously, he showed remorse and, you know, he apologized and whatnot. But, you know, that type of reputation and having that on his record could see him fall to like late fourth round, which his talent is to me like third round ish, like mid to late third round, early fourth round. But I think 
that character concerned potentially. Uh, and everything else that I've seen or heard is that he's a really good dude, but he just made that mistake that night, which sucks because in the NFL, you're one mistake away from literally being done, you know, at times or, or being kicked off the team. So, you know, that's, that's going to be something that teams probably ask him about and kind of do their thorough, thorough research for. And I think that may drop him, but, uh, you know, just talking, I talked with his agent as well and his agent said that they're hearing that he's getting like fourth, fifth round buzz, depending on, you know, kind of spot landing spot. So, uh, I think, you know, he's going to be someone that is, he's not going to, he's not going to be, you know, the big name in this class, but I think if you really want value out of someone, and you can carve out a, a really nice role for him. I just can't help but think that the Chiefs are going to select him. I just have a strange feeling that the Chiefs are going to do it in round four or five and just blow us up. They already got enough speed, and he could play that Sammy Watkins role if they let him walk. So that's just my gut feeling. I Every time I think about what team fits for him, I think of the Kansas City Chiefs, and I get scared. Because that is another weapon for Patrick Mahomes to uh, kill defenses with. I mean, you already got Tyreek Hill, Miko um, Hardman, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Way Edwards. Way too many Lair. damn good players. So adding him would just be just below my mind. But I also wouldn't mind seeing him in, in the Saints uniform. Just saying. But at the same time, I, I really like him as a player. Uh, like I said, I, I initially I have a, I have a third, late third, early fourth round grade on him, but I think that off the field issue may drop him a little bit more. But his talent is definitely in that range. I have him as a fourth round in terms of uh, on field. The off field bumps him down into a fifth round for me. So right now, check my big board. I have him at one thirty eight. So again, kind of that like fourth, fifth round type territory. Um, jeez. Yeah, I I think that everything you said is there. The talent is there. He's definitely come a long way since uh since like his sophomore year. But man, that that off field, especially this year, is gonna really ding him. Um, moving on to my next guy, I gotta take a look at another running back. I took a look at Coastal Carolina CJ Marable. This dude is so damn small. <laughs> He's listed at 5'9". If he's taller than 5'7", I will be shocked. Uh, but I'll tell you, he's a little gadget player. You can put him out there, you know, as a kick returner, punt returner. You know, have him out there as, like, a, a true pass catching back. You're not going to want to run him between the tackles. Um, I can't even think of, like, a, a, a similar player in the NFL right now that I could comp him to. He's, again, so small, like 5'7". I think he's only about buck 85. Um but yeah, just a solid all-around player. Doesn't do anything exceptionally well. He's not overly fast either. He's got enough speed. Um, you know, he ended up at Coastal Carolina for a reason. But, you know, again, I think that he's someone that's in that kind of like, you know, the, the, the Jared Doak, Stevie Scott, Brandon Knox type range. Like that type of area. I think that's where you're going to get him probably, if I had to guess, somewhere in around, you know, round six or so. So I'm... I, I came away impressed, but he doesn't do anything that, like, blows me away, that makes me go, oh, my God, I need to have him in, like, the top 
you know, 120 picks. I need to have him in the first three, four rounds. Like you can, you can easily get CJ Marable late on day three. He might even slip into being undrafted just based off of size concerns. Yeah, Marable is really talented, man. Um, I really liked his game in in terms of, you know, just being a, a, a kind of a mini bowling ball. He has great t- contact balance, you know, uh, has decent speed. Uh, I think he's going to be really valuable out of the backfield, kind of one of those scat backs as well uh, that can, you know, play some sn- slots, some snaps in the slot as well as. Really tough for you to say. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know why. I'm, I'm just not we able need to talk coffee, to my friend. <laughs> yeah, I do. But yeah, he, he can take some snaps in the slot, can uh, run between the tackles, you know, get outside. He, he has a little bit of everything. Uh, probably one of those later round backs, but uh, he brings he brings a lot of value to the team. You know, he's, you know, not necessarily the biggest, but, you know, he, he fights for those extra yards. And I think he's going to be Someone that probably is at the bottom of the depth chart, but just continue to work to work his way up and, you know, get snaps in the game. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about him having a breakout game at some point next season or uh, in two years from now, because he's just that type of player that, you know, no one really expects a whole lot out of him. But he was a good portion of that Coastal Carolina offense. He really made them dynamic the the way they were. So yeah, for a team that kind of ran a bit of everything in terms of their offensive attack, he was crucial for all, for all of it. Right. So yeah, I mean, he's he's a really good player. So I definitely respect his game and you know love watching him play. And then uh, for me, star watching Kellen Mond uh, a little bit last night. Didn't finish the eval, but uh, you know it's this. It'll be interesting to see uh, kind of what happens, you know, with Mon because we know that he's was a much more consistent uh, decision maker this year, but his lows are incredibly low, like undraftably low, like it it's like really bad. And I don't know, man. I don't see a lot on tape of him going through progressions. I think that's also something as well. Like he's a good one to two read quarterback right now. But in terms of going through progressions, I don't really see that. I've only been through two games, but I didn't see a whole lot of that. Um, he locks in on receivers. You know, he can make those tight window throws. You know, he relies a lot on his arm talent, but I think he still has trouble reading defenses at some point, at some points in the game. Uh, you can tell with some of the decisions he makes uh, in terms of throwing into triple coverage sometimes or, you know, throwing it behind his receiver or throwing it in the wrong spot. And he doesn't navigate pressure real well either. So it's going to be a, it's a tough evaluation for me right now because I see the upside with him, but I also see that he could be very well player. Like I hate to make this comment. I don't think there are similar play styles, but Josh Dobbs, where he just never takes that step, that next step as, uh, a passer. Don't remind me of Josh Dobbs, man, because that reminds me of when I was saying of that year, because I, I swore Tennessee had a chance at, at competing to get into the college football playoff. Oh, boy. But oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't even come close on that one. They, I mean, they had the talent. They had the dudes on the team. They always have. 
But I mean, I don't understand how they recruit so damn well. It's like, like I said, I, I told somebody this, but Tennessee players, they always have a better pro career than college career. Mm-hmm. Always. Almost exclusively. I'm not talking, I'm not counting Jared, uh, Garitano. He, he doesn't count. But specifically speaking, you know, you had Alvin Kamara, uh, Barnett, I think. It was a Derek Barnett. Barnett. Um, you know, Marquez Callaway from this past season, he had a pretty good season. Jalen Reese Maben. Yeah. I mean, they, they recruit the hell out of players, but they just cannot get them produced on the field at Tennessee. Oh, AJ Johnson, who's like the, the lead linebacker with the Broncos. Yep. And then this year will be Josh Palmer. Can yep. already add him to the list. I already know he's going to be a good I pro. can't wait to actually watch Josh Palmer. Yeah, he's probably going to be a later watch for me. Oh, but. yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm going to get some popcorn and some uh, and some maple syrup. And, uh, <laughs> oh, are you trying to hint at something? Yeah, 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 I am. <laughs> Would you like Not to share with the, the same folks? Time. That... Not at the same time. Would you like to share with the folks what exactly we're referring to with Palmer? Uh, because Palmer's Canadian. <laughs> There you have it, folks. Actually, I tend to be harder on Canadians, you know, uh, than most. I had like a fifth on on Chase Claypool last year, fourth. So, you know, not gonna be a home. We'll see what happens with his career. He had a a pretty good rookie season, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, geez. Okay, so who was my next guy that I was gonna talk about? Now I can't remember. Oh, yes, yes, I can remember. I watched um. Draw a blank on that. Rashad Weaver, thank you. The edge rusher out of pit. And I'll tell you, he had a very productive season and then had a good week down in Mobile. But when I was watching the film, you could tell that he's, he, in a way, was kind of like Quincy Roche and that you never saw him as the team's primary pass rusher. All of the attention went to the guy on the opposite side of him. So with, with Roche over his career, it was Greg Rousseau and then this year Jalen Phillips. With Rashad Weaver, Patrick Jones was on the opposite side of him. So, you know, Pat Jones is fighting double teams on basically every play. And then last year there was, you know, sorry, in 2019, there was Pat Jones and Jalen Twyman, which I think lends to a lot of why Rashad Weaver was so productive is when you have two ace pass rushers on the defensive line with you, you can only block so many people. You can't double team everyone. And Rashad Weaver was often seen as the, the lesser of all of the evils. And he broke free more often than not. This year, I mean, the Boston College game, he might single-handedly be the reason Ben Petrullo went back to school because he, he, bull rushed him right into Jerkovic like three times during that game. But again, when I'm watching Weaver, um, I, I see the production. I don't know how much room he's really got left to develop. I don't see a lot of like amazing athletic tape. He's a very technical rusher. I don't think he's a great athlete. I don't think he's got the greatest bend. I'm wondering about how high his ceiling is. You know, and again, never being a team's primary pass rusher, when you get to the NFL, he's probably going to start off as like a sub package rusher uh, that you could use kind of inside or outside. Um, and he'd need to bulk up in order to do that. I have him around where I have guys like Carlos Basham, where 
they're going to be great picks that you can get in round three, but you shouldn't go higher than that. Um, kind of a similar player, although a little bit smaller than, than Basham. Not a great athlete, wins with, I mean, Basham wins with, you know, kind of technique and power, whereas Weaver, just very technical rusher. I uh, see kind of the same player. You're looking, I have him as edge 13 right now, which this is a pretty deep edge class. I just don't see him see, see enough upside with him to justify taking him top 50, top, you know, top two rounds. Yeah, I have not watched Weaver yet. Um, so I will defer to you at this point in terms of what he is and, and what he looks like. Um, definitely going to try and get to more edge rushers over the next few weeks. Um, I mean, you know, Weaver productive. He had, uh, if my math is correct here, 17 career sacks, um, with 14 coming in the last two years, career high this year. Um, yeah. He's 6'5", 270. Okay, so he's actually a little bit bigger than I thought. I thought he was around like 6'4", 260-ish. Um, but yeah, kind of that same size then as Carlos Basham, where on a sub package, you can throw him inside and have him rush on the inside. He actually did pretty well up against guards at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, uh, he was unfortunately on the other Had side. Had two sacks against Clemson, too. Sound, I mean, he sounds like a really good player, but like you said, you know, Sometimes, I mean, obviously you don't want to rely on just stats and whatnot, but sounds like a really good player. I'm really excited to dive into Pittsburgh players. I really haven't watched any of those guys yet. You don't need to really watch much on offense. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. But, you know, I want to take a look at DeMar Hamlin and Paris Ford, you know, Rashad Weaver, Patrick Jones. Take a look at all those guys, see uh, kind of what their output is, you know, for the NFL draft. So got those guys up. Uh, coming up in probably the next couple of weeks, but excited to see what they look like, man. You know, I, I've seen, heard a lot about that pit defense, so definitely want to take a closer look up close and personal. Who's your next guy? Um, for me, I'm trying to think because I've been kind of all over the place uh, in terms of oh, watching same. players. So. I don't think I really have anyone else. I got. I mean, I can talk about who I have coming up, but uh, if if, uh, if if you're you don't have any, I've actually I'm mid eval. I'm waiting on one more game of tape to become available for me on Indiana safety uh, Jamar Johnson. I, I shared a few clips of his last night, uh, and yeah, he's good. I, I like him better than some of these guys that have been hyped for a long time. I like him better than someone like Caden Stearns. Um, you know, take a look at the safeties. Yeah, I, I think he's kind of, you know, going to end up being that early day three type grade for me. Um, you know, sometimes I have some questions about his his willingness to to go up and make the tackle. And then against Maryland, there's one where he lets the catch up right in front of him, squares up, tackles, you know, the Maryland tight end at the sideline. He's a really solid player. And then, you know, there are times where he's kind of just, a little bit, you know, lackadaisical out in space. But then when you watch the Ohio State game, I mean, ju- he read Justin Fields like a book on his first of two interceptions on that one. He baited him in, made it look like the the the, the option over the middle was wide open. As soon as it was thrown, cuts back kind of, you know, the way Night Train Lane used to, where you'd think that, that that spot was open. It wasn't open. He made you think it was. Picks him off. Great return. The second interception, that was entirely due to Justin Fields deciding, 
midway through going down for a sack, he just needed to chuck it up, and Jamar Johnson just happened to be right there. Uh, his best game was against Ohio, uh, Ohio State. Ohio State put up a crap load of, uh, of points in that game. They would have put up even more if it weren't for Jamar Johnson. He was, he was actually doing really well in space and in coverage in that game. Maryland, again, saw a little bit more issues in terms of like just, you know, uh, intensity level, uh, just kind of field awareness. Saw a little bit, you know, uh, more in terms of just, you know, just kind of bad decision making in the secondary. Again, haven't finished his eval. Still waiting on like one more game. I'm hoping for maybe like the Michigan game or the Penn State game to become uh, available. Uh, I think that realistically, he could end up in like early, early day three for me. Yeah, he's a he's a solid player. Um, I took a look at that Maryland game. It was some. Uh, it was a lot of. It was an up and down game. Like you said, he he will miss wide open open field. Not wide open, but open field tackles. Uh, he's a bit know, of an ankle biter too when it comes to. Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not one of those guys that tackles up top. He he goes for the legs, which doesn't always work. Um, but he has great range. You know, he, he shows a lot of range at safety, uh, single high. You know, there was a couple of plays he almost made. You know, if one of his teammates didn't def- deflect the ball, intercept them, intercept the ball themselves. Uh, so you he, he was he, he's usually in good position. He just has to be more consistent. Um, tackling in space because that's going to be a big thing for him at the next level. You know, are you going to be able to tackle when you allow a catch? You know, or are you going to allow a five yard gain turn to 50, 15 or 50? So that's that consistency, consistency has to be there. But yeah, I took a look at him when I heard some rumblings about him last week. People were talking about him. So I remember tweeting about him, you know, earlier this season. Uh, I think midway through the season, you know, especially after that Ohio State game. But we'll see, man. I'm, I'm excited to go back to the Ohio State game. And I want to also take a look at uh, some of the other games as well. But I'll probably be doing his evaluation here in, in the next week or so. Uh, yeah, in terms of guys that I have coming up, I really want to – oddly enough, I want to get some more of these wide receivers out of the way. Uh, Demonte Coxie, Shai Smith. Uh, Josh Palmer, Des Fitzpatrick, Austin Watkins, Isaiah McCoy, TJ Basher. If I can get all of those guys done in the next week or so, I'll be really happy. Um, you know, I'm starting to, to whittle down the number of edge rushes I still need to watch. Uh, I still have way too many for my liking. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a very busy time. I don't know about who you've got up upcoming as well. Uh, I got I got a couple different guys coming up. Uh, I need to watch some of the the bigger names because I just like I did this summer, you know, I kind of start with the smaller names and kind of work my way back up. Um, so I need to do some final vows on Mac Jones, um, Kyle Trask, uh, a few more guys like the Shane Bouchelle, uh, guys like that. Try and finalize the QB class, watch some more edge guys. I uh, really haven't watched way too, haven't watched too many. Uh, I saw maybe a couple games of jo- Jason Oway. I watched Aziz Ojolari, um, but I want to take a look at Quiddy Pay, um, Joseph Asai, guys like that, and try to catch up with that in, in terms of uh, edge rushers. I watched Ron- Ronnie Perkins. I really like him. I think he's a top five edge for me um, in a 4-3 defense, uh, not, not a 3-4, but... 
trying to think of who else. Guys like that. Uh, probably get a couple later round guys mixed in there as well. Uh, want to take a look at Kay, Kay Johnson from, uh, South Dakota. Um, want to take a look at Brady Davis from Illinois State. Uh, it's a name that I haven't heard a ton. Probably a late round UDFA type of guy, but he has a strong ass arm. And he, he has some nice size, 6'4, 210. Um, so I took a look at him as well. So just kind of all over, all over the place, but catching up, you know, with some of the top evaluations, cause I got some of those later guys done already. So, you know, while everyone will be scrambling for those later guys, I'll be doing the bigger names and, you know, just chilling. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if you got anything else before we get on out of here. Uh, nah, man, just, oh, I, I actually I do. Um, for people on, on draft Twitter, uh, I've tweeted about it a few times, but we got to stop tearing down other people's opinions, man. It, it, like if people have Jamar Chase or they have, say, I don't know, Ojolari or whoever, or they don't have Panay Sewell as OT1, we don't have to kill them for it. Like to me, I don't care if you have a different opinion. Just tell me why, you know, tell me why you think this way. Like, obviously, you know, a lot of people get offended. Like, I've seen a lot of casual fans as well, like, say, oh, there's no way it's possible. Or they speak in absolutes. Nothing in this draft is, you know, guaranteed. We don't know if Jamar Chase is going wide receiver one. We don't know uh, if Fields, Wilson, or Lance are going to go off the board first. We know Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick, but anything after that is pretty much a mystery. We don't know if Micah Parsons is going to be a first linebacker off the board. We don't really know the absolute. So for me, I don't care if you have a different opinion. You know, if you back it up with why you think that way, I think that's what I'm, I care more about than just making these random uh, assertions and, and opinions. But listen to what someone's reasoning is first before you judge their takes. You know, don't just say, oh, they're just saying that for the sake of being different. And some people do do that. But I think it can a lot can be learned from listening to other people's views on the game, how they value receivers, how they value players in general, than just sitting here and saying, oh, you're wrong. Or, or say, oh, my data from or my BMI data says that he's not going to be a good player or anything like that. Like have an open mind. Like, obviously, you're going to think your opinion is right, but you never know what you're going to learn by listening to other people's opinions on players. So like Eric at home said yesterday on Twitter, most teams don't have a consensus on players. So. That means we don't have to all agree, basically, is what I'm saying. So be different. You know, if you if the tape shows you different, then, you know, just put if you want to put your takes out there, go ahead. But I'm just saying for people that don't agree with them, like have a legit conversation. Don't say they're stupid. Don't say they're dumb or idiots or whatnot or say they shouldn't be in this business anymore. I've seen way too much of that this week. Truly take the time to listen to what they have to say. Um, if you disagree, 
you know, come back with facts that you feel are facts or come back with your own opinion. Don't come back and put someone down to say they are wasting their time. So I just want to wanted to put that out there. Uh, I've seen way too much of that this week. People saying, oh, you there's no reason for you to be writing. You shouldn't write anymore. Your takes are dumb. You know, you're stupid, da, 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 et cetera, et cetera. I've seen way too much of that this week. So I want to encourage people to truly look at, listen and look what people have to say about a player before you just your take. Yeah, for sure. I th- um, I'll put it this way. There's a, there's someone I, you know, I follow that's not in the football realm, but in that same kind of, you know, opinion based, uh, profession. And, well, there, there, there's a very simple, simple way of putting it. You know, I hate gatekeeping of any, t- of any kind. Um, and I think that people should, uh, like what they like and don't be a dick. So, Pretty you know, much. when you, when you see someone put out their opinion, there's a reason for it. It's nine times out of ten, not just, you know, completely made up. But, yeah, um, if that's it for today, then as always, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at MikeH underscore Draft. You can follow Devin on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. You can follow the show on Twitter at BigShotsPod. And uh, you can follow our work on Blue Chip Scouting. I have something in the works. I'm hoping that in the next, I don't know, couple of weeks, maybe, just maybe... Um, Carson Wentz gets dealt, and then I can actually get get what I want done. Um, but yeah, until then, guys, see you around.